Welcome to the Neuropathy Support Group and Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm so glad you tuned in. It's my hope with this podcast to help all of us gather information that might help those that need support dealing with this debilitating issue. Hello, and welcome to this podcast. Before we get started, let's get the formalities out of the way with the medical and privacy disclaimer. I am not a doctor or medical professional. The information on this podcast is from personal experiences and is meant for group support. Additionally, the information discussed is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure any underlying conditions associated with neuropathy. All names here within are private and will not be shared with any outside sources. Please consult your healthcare provider before making any health decisions. If you have medical concerns or an immediate emergency, Please contact your doctor or dial 911. Well, so how was everyone's weekend and past week? I hope everyone was healthy and felt a lot better than you have been. And I hope your medications are working for you. Again, if they don't, you contact your doctor, make some changes, figure out what's going on, why it's not working. For myself, you know, everyone knows already that my, I'm at the point where my uh, pain medications really don't work the best. I mean, they will give me about six hours of relief, but that's about it. And also, you know, I, I think a lot of you know that I take two opiates. And so, uh, I think it was the beginning of this month. I had issues trying to get one of my medications, and it said that, you know, it was going to take up to two months. Finally, my pharmacist found one for me. Well, it happened again, but this was the other opiate that I have, and the same situation, calling everywhere. This time, the doctor didn't want to make any change, so now I'm looking at two months again, and nope, my pharmacist pulls through again. Oh, I'm so glad I I'm, don't go to one of those big, uh, corporate, you know, uh, stores that, you know, have these medications. Well, actually they don't, you won't find many of these medications in their, um, their uh, stock because they just don't want to carry them. There's too much of an issue or hazard and they don't want to get robbed or, you know, they don't want the DEA to come down on them and get reports, those kind of things, you know? And that's why they, don't really carry those products but when do you go when you go to a a mom and pop place pharmacy they can pull some strings and they're not worried about anybody coming down and wanting to see their records so i'm really happy i have this pharmacist and um it was all due to my pain doctor because he knew of this place and um it's called the pillbox here where i live in fresno and just outstanding outstanding help outstanding people there. Well, today's topic is going to be, is it safe to get mental health meds from an app? Now, I have experience in this area. When I first started out with my uh, medications for my uh, bipolar, and I didn't think this was possible, but you can get uh, hooked on those and if for any reason you stopped taking them or you ran out too soon, no, you do feel the effects. And I, I didn't really think that was going to happen with, um, you know, 
medications that are meant for depression and anxiety and anger and bipolar, but it did. So, um, you know, I couldn't get any refills probably for a week or two weeks later. So I looked online um, and I did purchase some. They finally got to the house. They came from China, which, you know, but you got to remember, too, I didn't have the experience that I have now in regards to, um, you know, knowing what not not to do. And this one I fell short, but I did purchase them and they came in in weird packaging to begin with. But when I'm looking at them, they don't look anything like my um, ones that come from the pharmacy. So that gives me one red flag there. And then I'm looking up on the internet, trying to study, get up more information about this. And I really couldn't find anything. So I came to the conclusion of not using them and not trying to... I'd have, I didn't want to use them because you never know what's in those medications that from come, that come from other uh, countries and how well they keep their places clean and contaminants and those kind of things. And, you know, it, it, it was scary. And I, I should have done the thing to where I didn't purchase them at all, but I did. Um, but like I say, when they got here, I didn't want to take that chance. So I threw them out and just waited through the... Um, the withdrawal that I was going through because I didn't have this one medication, but I just wanted to give you that little information. Now, some of these um, podcast episodes, you know, I have I have a lineup of which ones I want to talk about, but sometimes I get them from other um, podcast pages that I belong to on Facebook, especially, and I get them from there from people's, you know, from people asking for. Um, more information on something or how they got through something. And that's how I find some of the topics that I deal with. Um, and some of those topics affect me too in the same way. So, you know, it comes from experience, um, not a medical background, but just personal experience that I have with neuropathy and everything that goes with it. And we all know that. So let's, let's start here. Let's get going and see if this episode helps you in any way of even thinking about doing this. Options for virtual mental health care, including prescriptions for mental health medications, are over-increasing. From online appointments with clinicians in traditional practices to mental health apps, their popularity is growing too. According to a May 2021 poll from the American Psychiatric Association, the percentage of U.S. adults who said they would use telehealth for mental health services increased from 49% in 2020 to 59% in 2021. Younger Americans are even more likely to consider virtual, virtual mental health options with 66% of American adults 18 to 29 reporting they would use telehealth or mental health. Um, I use telehealth when I see my psychiatrist. Uh, I feel it's a lot easier and convenient for myself. And, you know, most of the time there's not much really to talk about, um, just how the medications are going, because the person you really need to go talk about your problems with is a therapist. So 
that's why you know when when you when I talk with my uh, psychiatrist, there's nothing really being said. It's just you know how my medications are working, and as many as twenty thousand mental health apps exist. Whoa, man! According to a twenty twenty one health from the American Psychological Association. Now I do have one an affiliation with uh, t I think two actually telehealth doctors. I have to look into that. Of all the medical specialties, psychiatry is the one that lend, lends itself the best to remote audio and video consultations. But can virtual mental health care provide all the services that in-care can? Is it safe for a clinician to prescribe medication for mental health during a telehealth visit or through a mental app? health app. I think it is. I mean, unless you're going to make a change, then I would say the doctor should call you in and you guys discuss it. But my doctor is in Bakersfield. So, you know, it makes it easier to do, to use the telehealth. Previously, providers were required to evaluate patients in person before they could prescribe uh, certain medications. As the start of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, the federal government relaxed these rules and began allowing certain providers registered with the Drug Enforcement Agency, which is DEA, to provide medically, I'm sorry, medications virtually. And, and that's, you know, where one of my doctors, the one for pain, he doesn't do telehealth at all, and he won't do it. You have to physically go in there and see him. On February 24, 2023, the GEA proposed to tighten the rules again once the COVID-19 expires in the United States on May 11th. But what's proposed now to become the new permanent rules won't be as restrictive as before. While people cannot be prescribed medications that are considered controlled substances, such as Adderall, Ritalin, for ADHD and Xanax for anxiety. Via telehealth, without an in initial in-person medical exam by their prescribing doctor, according to the proposed changes, refill of these medications can still be given via telehealth visits. Non-controlled medications will still be allowed to be prescribed entirely via telehealth, including via mental health apps. So there you go. I, 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 had, I kind of figured that those kind of doctors were okay. Mental health apps can receive approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, though it is not required. These apps, if not connected to a hospital, do not qualify for DEA registration approval, but practitioners can apply for the DEA approval. Some mental health apps have been called out for questionable and potentially illegal prescription drug prescribing uh, practices, which, you know, that's something that's unfortunately going to happen. The online prescription and therapy app Cerebral is currently under federal investigation for possible violations of the Controlled Substance Act, which regulates the medical use potential for dependence or abuse and safety of drugs and other substances. Related to the ADHD drug Adderall, as the Wall Street Journal reported in June of last year, 
This is one of the drugs that will require an in-person visit for a prescription according to the DEA's proposed changes to the policy. Huh, kind of unusual. I didn't think the ADHD, you know, for Adderall was something that needed to be regulated as such. I mean, you think it would be some of the um, painkillers like I take. I could understand that you would need to have a visit every time. But I've never taken HV, HC, so I don't know what, you know, the effects of it is. Um, so I really couldn't say. So that brings you to the cerebral case where it raises, raises the questions. Is it safe to give a prescription for a mental health condition like anxiety, depression, or ADHD from an app? And if we do, what should you keep in mind to ensure that the care in any prescriptions or medications you're getting is safe and appropriate? I haven't had an issue, and I've been doing this for two years. Um, I can't speak, you know, in regards to anybody else, but I think it's great. Um, you know, I can see, like I said, if you change your medications, that's a whole different thing. But for in this case with me, uh, for the anxiety, depression, and bipolar that I have, doing it this way is so much easier and convenient. So what are the four steps to take before getting a mental health medication through an app? A consultation with a psychiatrist in the traditional practice setting is much different from one done virtually via an app. Apps may have less restrictive policies about pre prescribing medications which patients should be wary of. If you're considering an app in order to get medication to manage your mental health, think about the same factors you would when choosing in-person care and watch out for any red flags. If you're using a mental health app like Cerebral, hers are minded, all of which allow users to prescribe medications by licensed health professionals. And here's how to safely do this. Now, before I go further, what I'm talking about in this uh, episode is giving it off an app, okay? Now, in my case, I did it at the time there was no apps. I did mine over the internet and that's how I ordered my medication. I don't remember the site. I know it came from China, but that's all I remember when I ordered that. So that wasn't through a one-on-one um, -on -one with my doctor online or through an app. It was in person when I saw him um, every month. And like I said, you know, I ran out that one time and then I had to do what I thought was the right way of doing it, just ordering more online, but that wasn't right. So first, you need to establish a relationship with a provider before you get a prescription. If you're using an app to receive mental health care, um, Dr. Spiegel, which is what I'm reading from right now, recommends you develop a solid relationship with your psychiatrist or provider over over a course of several sessions before you agree to a medical medication prescription if possible. If you're using remote telemedicine through an app and you have developed a relationship with a licensed psychiatrist like myself in your state who has carefully evaluated you, then that should be okay. Um, 
Freed, this doctor, agrees and says that if a patient receives only a quick question and answer session from a provider before being prescribed medications rather than an in-depth evaluation over several months or several visits, the patient should be wary, especially if they feel the conversation is rest is rushed. If the interview felt like a formality, it almost certainly was one. So what they're saying right there, it's better to get a um a full exam over the over the um computer um through an app than just someone saying, How you doing today? Okay, so let's put you on this, this and this and not really getting an answer and really not telling them what is wrong with you and that way it gives them the opportunity to choose the right medication. Number two, talk to your provider first about the medication you're being prescribed, potential side effects, and alternatives. Your conversation with the prescribing provider should include a detailed discussion about the medication, whether it's right for you, possible alternatives, and potential side effects. Whether you're receiving in-care person or virtually, the National Alliance on Mental Illness suggests discussing the following with your provider before they prescribe you a medication for your mental health. Number one is whether medication is the right option for you right now and the kinds of medications that are available for your condition. Your experiences with other psychiatrists or psychiatric medications, including any you're already taking. Your health history, including whether you have other chronic health conditions and take any medications for them. And finally, potential side effects you might experience if you opt to take a psychiatric medication and how to manage them. I know when I started taking mine, there were some side effects that I was not aware of. Um, but if you really want to um, check on your medications, the best place I suggest is go to Web. MD. That's where I go because I want to make sure that there's no interactions with any type of other medications that I might be taking. And that helps a lot. So that's where I go. Unless you can talk to a pharmacist themselves, that's what I would do. Number three is make sure your provider is reachable and responsive to your questions and concerns. Mental health apps are often promoted for their accessibility and it's important to make your Make sure your provider is easily reachable through the app if you have any concerns between visits. If a provider on mental health app is not responsive to your questions or concerns outside of appointments, this is a red flag. Before being prescribed medication, ask your provider whether they're available outside of appointments to discuss medication-related concerns like refills or emergencies and how to reach them in scenarios like this. With me that, you know, I can say sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, my psychiatrist, though, you know, they're on top of it. But if I get a um, one of my regular doctors, it can be kind of hard to, and difficult to reach them. Number four, check whether your provider has any financial relationships with pharmaceutical Pharmaceutical companies, I never knew this. It's helpful to know whether your provider makes money when they prescribe medication or treatment. They may not objectively be cons 
considering the pros and cons of certain medications for your needs if they do. The same goes for in-person care. Between 2016 and 2017, more than a half a psychiatrist in the United States received some form of compensation, such as speaking and consulting fees for pharmaceutical manufacturers. Well, that's why when they come in the um, when these guys come in and chart, start trying to sell their products to the doctor um, and giving them samples, you know, that's that's where all this comes in. And, you know, it's a money-making business. So, you know, I, I don't know what else, you know, to say there. But, you know, there's, as long as the medication works, I don't care if my doctor is getting paid or not for it. That's no big deal. Doctors who receive compensation from drug manufacturers associated with a specific medication appear to be more likely to prescribe that medication more often than doctors who don't have such compensation. And, and like I said, that's no big deal for me. Um, it's a matter of how you like the doctor themselves and if you think you're being taken care of correctly. But, you know, that's where... <laughs> doesn't matter to me at all. So I hope this um, episode helped you out as much as uh, the information I gave you. Um, again, you know, I'd be very careful in regards to ordering any type of medication online um, because you never know how it's being made or who is manufacturing it and, you know, things that come from different countries aren't always what they say they are in the bottle. So that's why it's so important. And that's that's really the topic I wanted to confront today was that because I did I did do that. Um luckily I didn't have any health issues because I ended up not taking it because I was too scared. So you know to each his own. But you know I hope you got some information here that's gonna help. Again uh, when it comes to these apps, I do have them on my affiliates page where you can actually talk to a doctor and and go from there if that's something you choose to do. Like I said, it's getting more convenient now for people to do that and to get to their doctor's appointments just by being in your house and in your home and your own privacy. You don't have to worry about going into a a doctor's office and all the seats are taken or you know it's just too crowded like with me I get anxiety when that happens and you're waiting for a long time so to me it's better this way well you know what thank you all for listening to my podcast I appreciate everything I appreciate the comments and I hope everyone's getting something out of my episodes but until then I will talk to you next Monday. Bye. As we come to a close, it's my hope this podcast and other sources, such as product reviews that I have discussed today, can better our lives and give us some relief dealing with neuropathy. This episode plus others are posted every Monday on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And finally, Whatever life throws at you, even if it hurts you, just be strong and fight through it. Remember, strong walls shake, but never collapse. Talk to you next Monday.